Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy, and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here. Come on in. I'm reading from Galatians 4, verses 4 to 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson picks up in Luke 2, where we left off on Christmas Eve, beginning with verse 22. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. 
She never left the temple, but worshipped there, fasting and praying night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we have experienced our first, and I hope what will be our last, pandemic Christmas. While our gatherings this Christmas were smaller, and many of us are aware of people we did not and could not see this Christmas, many of us still gave and received gifts. So here's what I wonder. Did anyone receive a surprise gift this Christmas? Danny gave the staff a gift that was quite surprising. (laughs) Now, do I remind you of Danny? Ho, ho, ho. That was a great Christmas surprise for the staff. Maybe you received a gift that you would have never thought to ask for, but it was just perfect for you. One of our sons gave Eric and I some wool boot socks, and those come in so handy on the cold days that we are having now. They are just delightful. For some of you, you have young children around, and you know the joy of Christmas morning and the light of surprise in the eyes of children as they discover their gifts. But it seems that the older we get, the harder it is to surprise us. So I wonder, do you think Simeon was surprised by what the Lord brought to his attention that day? Luke calls Simeon righteous and devout. He knew the promises of God in the Torah and in the the prophets. He knew that the Messiah would come someday to rescue Israel. Now, we don't know how old Simeon was at the time, but it's safe to imagine that he was an older man. Perhaps there was a time when he was younger that he thought he knew just how the Lord would rescue Israel. Maybe he had been disappointed sometimes when his hopes had not been realized. Simeon well understood at this point in his life that waiting on God always has its share of ups and downs. But he had learned to wait and to trust in God's faithfulness. He was always listening and looking for what God was doing. And he'd learned to be patient with God and patient with himself along the way. But Simeon would never forget the promise the Lord had made to him. Somehow Simeon knew that before he died, he would see the Lord's salvation come for Israel. So that day, the Spirit prompts him to go to the temple So I think of him putting on his sandals and his robe and walking slowly to the temple. He's filled with anticipation, but he dare not let 
anxiety dampen his excitement. He wasn't in a hurry. He didn't want to miss an important detail of this big day. The Lord was going to show him something new. And so Simeon gets to the temple and he looks around. Who's there? What's going on here today? And and he sees Anna. She's always there and her presence will always bring Simeon comfort. He tries to notice everything. And the Spirit somehow directs him to a young couple and a baby. This couple was bringing their young son to the temple for the mother's purification and to devote this child to God. Simeon knows that they are poor. They bring an offering of two small doves, not the offering of a lamb that a couple of more wealth or status might have brought, but still according to the law. But it was the baby who caught his eye. He cannot know what Mary and Joseph has, have experienced, or at least Luke doesn't tell us that he knew about the angelic announcement, about the marvelous conception, about the, the shepherds, the angels, the, tr- the journey to Bethlehem from Nazareth. All he sees is that today these young parents are bringing their son to fulfill the requirements of the law. We are not to miss that Mary and Joseph are poor, but they're also pious. So I wonder, do you think that Simeon showed, thought that the Lord would show him that day a young couple bringing in a baby? I imagine that he was surprised. A baby has no power, no authority. A baby can't wield a sword, much less words. Babies are completely dependent. And yet Simeon somehow was able to see the future of this infant. He approaches this young couple and he asks if he might hold the baby Imagine Simeon taking this infant into his arms, his long gray beard maybe tickling the infant and him putting his hand on the the child to quiet him. His wise old crinkly eyes look deep into the eyes of these newborn infant eyes who have made their journey from heaven and through the process of birth to be here. That baby is still taking in the world. Imagine that. And with the babe in his arms, Simeon begins to praise God. He knew that he held Israel's long-awaited Messiah. In this child, he sees the Lord saving rescuing, redeeming love for people. God is going to do something really big with this kid. And he has lived to see it. In his arms, he is holding hope for everyone. And Anna, she joins in his song of praise and lets everyone know that the Messiah has come. He is here in the temple. A small flash mob comes up right there in the corner of the temple. Everyone praising God. Maybe they sang their version of the Hallelujah Chorus. 
We are so accustomed to this story, I think, that we somehow miss the surprise, the promises of God delivered in infant flesh. It's shocking. It's still unexpected if you really think about it. And yet, we have learned that this is how God often works. We remember Abraham and Sarah. Abraham received a promise to God at a very old age that he and Sarah would have generations who would be blessed through them and their offspring. And then Moses, he was tongue-tied and stuttered and told the Lord he couldn't possibly speak to Pharaoh on behalf of Israel, and yet the Lord sent him. We remember King David, the runt of the litter, the last of the sons, who was named king of Israel. And then we remember all those folks that Jesus spent time with, tax collectors, Sinners, fishermen, all sorts of women. God's ways are different from our ways. And often, and even now, God will surprise us. So Simeon brings his beautiful song. The song is called the Nunc Dimittis. I hope I got that right. And since about the fourth century, it has been sung as a song of dismissal for evening vespers. And here are the words he sings. Master, now you may dismiss your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you, you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation for the Gentiles, and of glory for your people, Israel. With this babe, God has broken into the world to save Israel, to restore their glory, but it's not just Israel. All people will be brought to God through this infant. We know that when we turn up the lights or we dial up the glory, certain bits of clarity come. Things that were hidden become apparent. Light exposes what is good and what is beautiful and what is pure. And light will also expose what is ugly and dark and wicked and harmful. So Simeon then turns to Mary and he says these words that had to have caught in his throat somewhere. He says, this child is destined for something. It's for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of people will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul as well. Simeon did not want to say those words to dear Mary, a prophecy of pain to come. But Simeon was in this moment God's messenger. And like all the prophets who came before him, he sees that God's salvation comes at a high price. There will be pain for this young mother and for this babe who will grow to be a savior. Did you notice the way Simeon said, this child will bring the falling and the rising of many in Israel? 
Since when does the fall come before the rise? Hadn't they already fallen enough? Wouldn't a savior help lift the bar of Roman oppression from them and restore their security in God? No, Simeon tells them, the fall comes before the rise. This savior will bring down people and institutions in order that people may rise. The fall comes first. And this savior, he will be opposed by his own people because he will expose in them their thoughts and their really the true motives of their hearts. We see in Simeon's words, the future for Jesus. Yes, he will wield great power and influence, but the power he wield will challenge all people. It will challenge their illusions of who they are and the way things are supposed to be. And it will confront them with the dark side of themselves. The light Jesus brings will throw all who come into contact with him into a crisis of decision. Will they take the downward path of repentance, choosing a a life of believing and repenting in faith and in love? Or will they hide behind their own masks of self-righteousness and self-preservation? Jesus will bring change not just for individuals, but for society as a whole. And this is the great reversal that the gospel promises. The first will be last. The last will be first. God's power made perfect in weakness. The babe will be rejected. He will carry the burden of sin and death for us all. And it is only through this pain and suffering and death that he will have victory. Victory over death. Victory, Victory over sin. It's a hard conquering. And that's how he does it. But what of Simeon and Anna? What is their word for you and me this day? I like to think that one of their words for us is hope. Hope for all people. Hope is what babies are all about, isn't it? Babies are about hope that families will continue into the future, that parents will contribute to the future good of the world. Hope, babies bring us hope that in the future there will be carpenters and composers There will be poets and preachers. There will be athletes and accountants. Babies bring large doses of goodness and joy and innocence and beauty and vulnerability. They're quirky in their uniqueness. They're tiny in their stature. Their skin is soft and their appeal to us is absolutely arresting. They point beyond themselves to the one who created them, each of them, each of us. To, to, they point us all to God. Babies always bring hope. Now, according to our friend Miriam Webster, hope is to expect with confidence. So we hope for many things, don't we? 
We hope for world peace. We hope for an end to war. We hope that our children will do well, that our job will be stable or that we'll get a new job. We hope that our lives will have meaning and purpose. We hope for an end to poverty and war. These are really good things to hope for. But one thing I'm always mindful of when I think about hope is that we have to be careful not to confuse hope with optimism. Because optimism, positivity, as it's often called, depends on me and my attitude. I can be optimistic that Auburn will beat Alabama in football next year, and I'm looking forward to it. I can be optimistic that you will pass a test that lies ahead of you because you've prepared well. I can be optimistic, totally optimistic, that COVID will be a thing of the past by next Christmas because I trust that our scientists have done their homework. Optimism keeps us from harmful negativity, but hope in Christ is a different thing. Hope in Christ does not depend on us and our attitude. Hope in Christ depends on God and God's faithfulness and our confidence in God's faithfulness to us. Remember what Lisa Kay read to us from Paul's letter to the Galatians. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children, children who call God our Abba, Father. Don't miss this. You, every one of you, are a child of God. God loves you, and God is working out things in your life for your good, no matter how dark things may seem. This is our hope. Simeon and Anna kept hope alive for the people of Israel, and we are keeping hope alive for future generations, and, and honestly, for 2021. Our, uh, our family has a Christmas tradition of lighting many fires in our wood-burning fireplace. And this Christmas, it was really cold. And so it was really fun to keep the fire going all day. But you know about fires. They take a lot of attention. Um, I have read about times, and, and you know that fire has always been precious to humankind. We've always needed fire for warmth and for cooking and for cleaning. And so fire is, is a really important part of our lives and heat. So in ancient times, the embers from the fire were kept as treasures. They would be wrapped in uh, in animal skins with perhaps a little bit of damp moth and moss and a little bit of something to keep the ember alive. And there was someone who was responsible for keeping the fire alive as people traveled and as they, they needed the next meal, they needed the fire to be, to be lit. So fire was always possible. And I think of you and I and what we are in our role in this world, and we really are the ember carriers, the fire carriers, the torch bearers with the good news of Jesus and the hope 
He is for all people. So what do we learn about hope? Like Simeon and Anna, we must first remember God's faithfulness. They could trust in God's promise in this Messiah, even though they were both probably not going to see him grow up because they knew of God's faithfulness in the past. It is our memories of God's faithfulness that keep our hope alive for the future, isn't it? So how has God been faithful to you? Is it an answered prayer? Is it guidance? Is it provision for your needs? Is it forgiveness and reconciliation, perhaps that you never thought possible? Has your relationship with Jesus changed you in some remarkable life-altering way? I hope so. We remember all God has done for us. And so we have a hope that is built on memory and on gratitude. We must remember. And then like Simeon and Anna, we must practice patience and perseverance. They learned from experience to wait on the Lord. Quite often, our job as hope bearers is to continue to persevere in prayer. Not very long ago, uh, the Bible study that I'm part of on uh, Tuesday nights, Women in the Word, took a look at Luke 11. And Luke 11 contains a wonderful story that's familiar to you. It's about a friend who has someone come to his house late at night and in need of food and shelter. And in that culture, hospitality was, the band was very wide. If anyone came to you in need, you were to help them no matter what time of the day or night it was. And so this man has no bread in his home, so he goes to his neighbor and he knocks on his door and he says, please, please give me some bread. I have a guest and they're hungry. And the neighbor says, listen, I'm warm and in bed with my children right now. I can't get up and give you bread. Go away. But the man persisted. He said, please, please, I know you have some bread. I saw you baking it today. I need that bread. Please give it to me. And eventually the man because of his friend's persistence, opens the door and gives the bread to the man. Now, part of Jesus' point in telling us this story is not to make God sound like a meanie, but to tell us that we need to persist and to persevere in prayer. This keeps our hope alive because eventually God will answer. And at last, the last thing about hope is it needs to be shared. Simeon and Anna gave Joseph and Mary a boost of courage that day. It was a boost they really needed. They must have been so afraid with all that had happened to them and so even confused. So I wonder who in your life is God calling you to speak words of courage and hope into their lives. Many of you have much wisdom to share and the patience to figure out how to say what you think you need to say. But you don't have to be old to share hope. As Vicki said, you can be very small to share hope. Some of our smallest people 
in this church are our greatest encouragers. You remember when James and Catherine were up here during stewardship season. What an encouragement they were. Be encouraged by the wonders all around you, especially in the children. Now, many of you know that I grew up in this church way back in the day. And one of the highlights of growing up here was that I got to go to Camp Kolomoki every year in Blakely, Georgia. Now, if you've been to Kolomoki, it's a pretty Spartan place. But I loved it there and made a lot of friends in that hard red clay, in that hot sun, in those not air-conditioned cabins. And I'm still in touch with some of those friends even today. We were, we were formed by those times together, and it was only a six-day camp. One of the things that's etched in my memory is a song we always sang, and I'm not going to sing it for you, but I know some of you know it. It was written by Kurt Kaiser in 1969, and it's called Pass It On. We sang over and over, It Only Takes a Spark, to get a fire going, and soon all those around can warm up in its glowing. That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. You spread his love to everyone. You want to pass it on. Now, I had no idea how deeply seated and influential that song was, not just in my own life, but in the lives of Christians all over our country during probably the 70s and the 80s. I don't know if you younger people even know it. But one day I found myself in a, a Presbytery meeting of Heartland Presbytery in the Kansas City area. And this song was on our worship. We sang it during worship. And all of a sudden, when it started and people started to sing, they sang loudly and with a gusto that comes only with great hymns, you know. And it was as though we were all of us sitting around a campfire again being warmed with this flame of hope that we keep. Friends, we are the keepers of the flame, and God is still bringing light and glory through Christ to a world who needs to know. God often does it through the most surprising people, even you and even me. Alleluia and Amen.